four big trends in e-commerce that online merchants should be on the lookout for in 2021. Hi everybody, I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. For more than 200 years, the Farmer's Almanac has provided growers with an advanced look at weather, astronomical trends, and other factors that promise to affect their crops in the coming year. Now comes the E-Tailer's Almanac, a publication by DHL e-commerce solutions that has only reached its second edition, but serves a similar purpose for the world of online retailing. On this episode, I'm joined by Lee Spratt, CEO for the Americas with DHL e-commerce solutions, who sums up for us four key trends that online merchants should be prepared for in 2021 and beyond. We're going to discuss multi-carrier strategies, continued capacity constraints, especially in peak seasons, concerns over cybersecurity and data privacy, and their reinvention of brick-and-mortar retailers. For e-commerce players, the times are truly changing. Let's find out how. Here's my conversation with Lee Spratt. Lee Spratt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bob. So, DHL eCommerce Solutions just released the second edition of the eTailer's Almanac, and it identifies four key trends, and I want to cover each one of them, but before we do, I just want to ask you, how did you gather the intelligence? Where did the information come from? We pay very close attention to the trends going on in the e-commerce space. Our business is 100% focused on e-commerce. We listen to what our customers have to say, the challenges that they see day in and day out. And these are really the four ones that jumped out. I and mean, we'll talk specifically about these here in just a second. But these were really the top four that really jumped out as we listen to what our customer has to say, pay attention to what's going on in the industry, keep track of what the competitors are doing, and just the merchant community in the e-commerce space. Okay, well, let's start with the first of these four trends, and that is multi-carrier approach is a must. Tell me a little bit about that, and, and, and is it necessary now that retailers and the like absolutely spread their business around multiple carriers in order to ensure the delivery of product? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is probably the most important trend that we saw develop in 2020. When we saw the increase, the rapid increase of e-commerce as a percentage of retail sales, the numbers just went through the roof. The first quarter looked pretty normal year over year, but then as the second quarter of 2020 began and we moved into summer, the, the volumes just spiked. And uh, what we started to see is a lot of customers that had dedicated relationships with some of the providers in the space were starting to realize that there was conversations beginning about control of the amount of volume, surcharges that might be implemented as a result of the pandemic. There were some customers introduced peak surcharges or pandemic surcharges. And I think merchants started to realize that they need to diversify a bit. If I had a big relationship with a dedicated carrier and all of a sudden that carrier told me they were either going to have to pay a lot more for it or I wasn't not able to take your volume, they realized that they didn't have any other options going into their peak season. There's nothing worse than knowing that you, there's a great opportunity 
to be taken advantage of with e-commerce growing at such a rapid pace and then not being able to deliver on orders that came in through their website. So the multi-carrier approach is probably the most critical element of the things that we saw change in 2020. And is this a lesson that they learned the hard way? In other words, they were not actually prepared for this in the last peak season? Many did. We actually had to turn customers away that asked us to pick up some of their volume that other carriers decided they weren't able to handle. So I do believe there were some customers that did learn from this and and they're course correcting as we speak. Okay, so sounds great. Spread your business around and create a little more resilience in your shipping patterns. But as we all know, there's a capacity crunch, especially during peak season. So is the capacity available in order to do that? Yeah, it's certainly a demand market right now. I think when you look at the development and how rapidly things developed in 2020, when we went into the fourth quarter of last year, there was clearly more demand than supply. But the good news about this industry in particular, we're very resilient. We have the ability to adapt quickly, grow quickly. We doubled basically the size of our workforce in 2020. and We've continued to expand that and we're still recruiting as we speak. You probably will see that same thing happen with all the other carriers. So I do believe there will be a much higher capacity limit available as we get into the fourth quarter of this year. And I think people start planning much earlier for peak season. We start normally planning for peak season about February 15th, start talking about it, and it's full swing by about May. We were talking about next year's peak the first two weeks of January because you know, we're that concerned about building up enough capacity in our network to be able to support the growth. We've got some significant investment plans, and I think you're going to see that across the industry to deal with the capacity topic. Actually, that leads us right into the second key trend, and that is capacity constraints continue. More of the same, if not worse. I mean, I guess you're seeing 2021 as a replay of 2020 in that regard? Absolutely. If you look at just our January revenues, and I think the industry revenues in general, we're up 60% in our business, but I'm sure the other carriers are seeing the numbers exactly exactly the same. If you look at the big players in the market, especially around pure play e-commerce delivery, we're going to have the capacity issue again as we go into the year. So it's going to be all about planning. How quickly can you make investments? How quickly can you acquire assets like buildings and automation? Uh, How quickly you can hire and bring people on? And so it's really going to be critical that we work very closely, whether it's our company or any of the other carriers in the space, work very closely with their customer base on kind of forecast planning And what can you do as a customer to make my life easier as a carrier? And what can I do as a carrier to make your life easier as a customer or merchant? And I think you're going to see a lot more collaboration between the carriers and the merchants as we go forward. I think the days of a merchant just saying, look, here's what I think it's going to be, and then dumping a significant amount of volume more than what was forecast, I think those days are gone. We had some of that last year, and and some customers did learn their lessons. So I do think you're going to see a much better partnership between the carrier community and the merchant community as we plan for capacity increases in 2021 and beyond, quite frankly, because I don't think this is going to change. Since our conversation is about e-commerce, I expect when we talk about a capacity crunch, we're essentially talking about the last mile or at least the stretch from the source where the inventory is directly to the e-commerce customer, right? Yeah, absolutely. What we're finding is merchants are getting their merchandise closer to their consumers. That's one of the things that's almost a must that you have to do to stay competitive. It used to be you had a single warehouse 
somewhere in the center of the country and you then shipped your product all over the U.S. And now most customers have their products or SKUs in multiple locations, trying to get those SKUs closer for faster delivery, more cost-effective delivery. And I think that's a trend that you're going to see accelerate as we move forward. So that'll also help address some of the, the capacity. The intermodal stuff, the, the stuff between our buildings will get reduced and the merchants are going to get the SKUs closer to the consumers, which are going to make for a better experience across the board. All well and good that we got more warehouses and DCs and trucks and vehicles and the like. But what about the people? I mean, right now, obviously, unemployment is quite high because of the recession, but everybody's expecting, or a lot of people are expecting that when recovery comes, we'll get right back to where it was before the pandemic. And that is a very, very low figure. Will we be able to find the people to make these deliveries? You make a great point, Bob. I mean, in the beginning of 2020, the market was tight. And as COVID or the pandemic struck, probably the services industry, cruise lines, airlines, restaurants, hotels, they were hit the hardest. And so about the middle of the year, we started to see some of the availability of resources that had lost their jobs or lost their positions in those industries. So the second half of last year was not as challenging as it had been to recruit those resources. But as you mentioned, as the economy starts to recover, as things start to open up and normalize, the market is going to get tighter, which means the carriers have to be smarter about the way we operate our businesses. I can't speak for all the carriers, but I assume they're very similar to what we're doing. We're making significant investments over the next five to 10 years in automation. So we start to reduce our dependence on labor and on those hourly blue collar workers. But that's not to say that we're still not going to continue to create jobs. As I mentioned, doubled the size of our blue-collar workforce this year, and our organization as a whole and the group added about 8,000 permanent jobs in the U.S. last year. So we'll have to keep a very close eye on the labor situation. I I think we're a long way away from robots driving the trucks and showing up at our doorstep with packages. I think some humans (laughs) may still be in the equation there somewhere, right? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But probably not as far as you think. Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, uh, the third one is cybersecurity and data privacy concerns increase. Here again, a lesson learned, maybe the hard way. It sounds like a lot of companies had to play catch up. How did the pandemic kind of reveal the weaknesses in cybersecurity systems that a lot of companies may not have been aware of? Yeah, I think security is a big issue for every company, regardless of whether you're in the e-commerce space, whether you're a financial institution, an airline, retail outlet et cetera, et cetera. The goal for everybody is to make sure you protect that consumer's data. If you look at consumer protection laws in Europe in particular, they're rather challenging and companies like ours can face large fines if in fact you have data breaches. So this is an incredibly important topic for us here in the U.S. as well. We want to make sure we protect our customers' data. So we do things like work with outside firms to try and breach our systems. We kind of run some internal programs where we'll run phishing emails out to our employees to see who's opening up what type of email, which may then open some type of backdoor for a potential hacker. And so this is an incredibly important topic for us. So over the last couple of years, we've upgraded all of our FTP sites, the secure FTP sites, and that's something just to try and make sure we protect that data. And our customers are doing the exact same thing. A few years back, if you ask a customer to upgrade to a secure FTP site, you might have gotten a little bit of pushback, but over the last couple of years, everybody understands how critical security is and how critical it is to protect consumer data, the merchant's data, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, this yeah. is a big topic as well. And an essential, essential that it comes hand in glove with, I think, what you identified in this report as an acceleration 
of digital transformation efforts, things that companies maybe were planning for maybe, I don't know, the next five years, suddenly they had to do it now. And maybe that's also a function of the pandemic. So I wonder if in the cybersecurity side, it's a question of kind of playing catch up. You're going digital, but you're also opening up yourself to more digital incursions. So is that the case that companies kind of found themselves having to speed up their adoption of these systems? Well, absolutely. I think that the more technology that you integrate into your processes to improve efficiencies, et cetera, you are going to open yourself up to uh, vulnerabilities, touch points. Every time you have an endpoint or a touch point in an organization, that becomes another vulnerable entry point for hackers to come in into your system. So it's a constant battle to protect the information, to make sure you run secure networks, to make sure your employees are smart about the way they utilize the assets in the business from an encoder and a terminal. You want to make sure I log out of that terminal when I walk away from it because somebody else could walk right in behind and you, know, you could create a, a, an open door for somebody to come in and penetrate your systems. And we see that across logistics, not only in the United States, but globally. When you look at the number of manual interactions that take place, whether it's a fulfillment center, a distribution center, sorting center, et cetera. So these are all big topics for, for everybody in the space to try and protect ourselves. Good point. I mean, you could have the most sophisticated technological systems in the world for cybersecurity, but if you haven't trained your people properly to look out for threats and to be safe themselves and not to bring their own devices onto the site and not to respond to phishing attacks and things like that, boy, I guess that that is still a huge issue, especially as you up your employment levels, that you up your training requirements at the same time, right? Absolutely. Yeah, this is a number one priority for us. IT security and information protection is a significant topic for everybody in this space. The final trend is called the reinvention of brick and mortar. And reinvention can be a word that gets thrown around a lot without anybody quite understanding what it means. What are you talking about in this Almanac report when you talk about the reinvention of brick and mortar? We talked about lessons learned earlier in the discussion here. And and I think that the brick and mortar guys, you see a lot of large brands that have been around for maybe not hundreds of years, but tens of years And you've seen a lot of closures just because of financial problems. The economy has been locked down. People are staying home. They're now ordering everything online. And so I think what you're going to see from the retail community is they're going to get smarter about the way they run their organizations and the the way they manage inventory, store inventory. You're going to see a lot more fulfillment from store. You're going to see things like, and and you're already seeing it where you you can place an order and go drive into the parking lot and somebody's going to bring it out in a very safe and sanitary environment where you can pick it up for your car. People are using third-party on-demand services, crowdsource type services to do deliveries. So I think you're going to see things very different. One good example recently for me is I wanted to buy a new TV before the Super Bowl, and it used to be I'd run down to one of the big box stores that was relatively close to me, and I'd order TV, and if I could, I'd throw it in the back of my car and bring it home. And that's all kind of changed. They're not storing that inventory in the stores anymore, so I can place an order online And then that TV got shipped to the store, and I was able to pick it up within three or four days. So Mm -hmm. the the retailers are going to get a lot smarter about the way they manage inventory and the cost of of carrying inventory. They're going to get inventory a lot closer to the consumers. You've heard the whole omni-channeling discussion that's been going on for 10 years or so, and it really is going to be about managing inventory 
whether it's in an e-commerce shipping locations through a third-party fulfillment provider, whether it's a retail brick-and-mortar location, whether you're dropping orders, drop shipping to third parties that are delivering to your consumers. I think you're going to see the entire kind of traditional retail industry change the approach to this whole concept of omni-channeling. But some of the innovations we saw in the last year, such as curbside pickup, were a direct response to the pandemic and the need for social distancing and the like. Do you think those are permanent changes even after the pandemic is over? I absolutely do. If you think about, there were some customers testing that concept. Some big retailers were testing that concept before the pandemic struck. But once it struck, it, it was something that had to be done in order to make the consumer feel comfortable with the buying experience. But now you've got the consumers become comfortable with it, and they actually like it because of the convenience associated with it. If you look back to the origins of e-commerce in general, there's some guys out west that kind of created that consumer convenience, and that's become the standard bearer for everybody else in the industry. So whether it started out years ago, it was free shipping, and now we're talking about either same day or within a couple hours shipping. And so it's really all about that consumer convenience. And I think pickup from store is something that's going to stick. It's easy. It's simple. I don't have to fight the crowd to go in and pick up a package. So I think it's here to stay. Another big trend is that of dark stores, is brick and mortar retail stores converted into distribution fulfillment centers Absolutely. as yep. a reflection of more e-commerce and less personal visit to stores. So you see that as being a continuing big deal, huh? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I mean about these guys are using these as fulfillment centers in highly dense geographic areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, urban areas, and they're using these locations, which used to be could be in a local grocery store or drugstore or some type of other retail outlet, and they're now being used as fulfillment locations and inventory stocking locations, and, and you're going to see more of that trend as well, especially in the bigger cities. And dual-purpose stores as well, micro-fulfillment centers within a retail footprint as well, a kind of a dual model. Absolutely. That seems to be mm-hmm. a, a growing in popularity or at least growing in conversation. Absolutely. I mean, the next big trend you're going to see is inventory management. And how do you, with all these different ways of managing your inventory and distributing your inventory to the consumer, fulfilling orders, receiving orders, the next big trend that we're going to see in this space is how customers go about managing their inventory. And I think that is a challenge you're going to see in the logistics space as we move forward. I wonder if some of the big box stores look with nostalgia back in the days when they could just bring in pallets full of product and just dump it in the store and say, we're selling it. That's it. But uh, not anymore. And, and, And that's That's the way it was back in the day. When I started this industry 15 or 20 years ago, that's exactly the way it worked. And today, the model is completely different. There'll still be some of that, but now it's really about a distributed inventory, multi-carrier options of how I deliver in the geographic footprint, making sure that I have a first-rate and a premium consumer experience, trackability, visibility, notifications. We had a lot of bad weather in the U.S. a week or two ago. And it backed up everybody across the country. And so all of the carriers have gotten very good at communicating either back to the merchant so the merchant can communicate with the consumer or we communicate directly with the consumers to kind of let them know what's going on with their package. After people place the order, they just want to know, when am I going to get it? They don't necessarily have to get it immediately, but they do want to know, when am I going to get it? And so you're going to see a lot more work going into kind of predictability, artificial intelligence, those types of things to really pinpoint even down to the hour of when a package might be delivered to somebody's home. So again, back to consumer convenience. 
Okay, four key trends identified by the second edition of DHL E-Commerce Solutions E-Tailers Almanac. Can't wait for the third edition. I guess we'll maybe have another conversation when that happens. But in the meantime, Lee Spratt, thanks so much for explaining the insights of this latest almanac and very valuable information for retailers and customers alike. Thanks a lot for your time. Thanks very much, Bob. That was my conversation with Lee Spratt of DHL E-Commerce Solutions, talking about four key trends that will impact e-commerce in the coming year. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time. <laughs>